had a fairly busy morning today, just been um, prepping really for the online game tonight. That's the Dungeons of Thal. Um, I think there's uh, four or five players potentially along. I think one of them may, uh, Lan again, may be um, finding it difficult to be there. But um, I believe I have um, a chunk of gamers, which is kind of cool. I'm hoping that um, Tim Shorts will be there, Jason Hobbs will be there. Um, I think Jason Connolly will be there, and also Andy um, Andy Sutton, Shandy Andy, um, and obviously Lan Kelly as well, fingers crossed, so that would be cool. Um, so I spent some time today, sat down and started to just um, really go over the, the dungeon uh, so far, and um, found myself tidying up a lot of entries, which is kind of cool, just making a few notes um from the last game really um and i have made some progress in actually laying out some dungeon tiles for other areas of the dungeon so uh, i haven't got a lot done but i got a bit done before christmas and uh, that's kind of cool and what i found i the most interesting thing was i found is that i wasn't feeling terribly keen about it certainly wasn't yesterday um but actually just sitting down and prepping on it making a start makes a huge difference so that's been a really positive kind of morning and uh, looking forward to that in a, in a few hours time so yeah game on things he won't share with us the darkness in his brain the dungeon master's plan the pleasure and the pain what's better left unknown keep calling out to me I hear him think out loud to die My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Hello. Um, it seems like Dungeon Master's Diary number 16 has drawn quite a lot of response. <laughs> uh, various comments I've had loads of great comments on Twitter on, on MeWe and on Facebook most of them on Twitter it has to be said and I've also had a number of call-ins so in a moment I'm going to play the call-ins that I've received on this topic but I wanted to preface it with saying um, well thank you guys for calling in and thank you for all of your feedback um, but it is clear to me that uh, the communication that I intended to make was unsuccessful <laughs> um, but I tell you what, there are some really good points that people are making in the call-ins and um, perhaps the best point of all, to be honest with you, came online via Twitter from that fantastic dude of dudes, Dirk the Dice. Dirk basically said that whilst, as ever, the episode was interesting and engaging, at the end of it, he ended up feeling like he didn't really know what it was that I felt I'd got wrong um, or that I was doing wrong. And yeah... He's right. So I better address that in a bit. But first, you know what? Let's just get the calls and then I can talk about them in a bit more detail. Who's first? H.A. Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Just listened to DM's Journal 16, I think. The one where you talked about being wrong. Uh, also, I'm a little bit under weather, so I apologize if I sound nasally or whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't. It, it depends what you're looking to do, right? So I think there is value to mastering the system that you're going to GM. 
I, I really do. So I don't know that you're you're totally wrong on that. And, and I'm still moving in that direction. I do think there's value in trying different games and checking them out. Um, to be honest, I don't know. I, I would play in any of the games that you run. I would definitely give them a shot. I don't personally have any desire to play Pathfinder 2 or like 5th edition D&D. I can understand because that's where the players are that that's the desire to play those systems. And I can see how those systems, well, at least Pathfinder, well, I guess D&D 2, both call to you because they are more complicated. So they have that more, well, words are loaded, right? But they, they have that more in-depth character creation and more in-depth systems. So I, I know there's a comfort in that. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I I don't know. Personally, I, I tend towards lighter games, especially if I'm doing conversions. Like if I was going to do Palladium Fantasy, which actually I love that setting as well. I'd love to play in that world. I wouldn't pick something like Pathfinder D&D. I would pick uh, OSE or, you, you know, I would go towards that route of it, to be honest. I would go more towards the the, the lighter end of the spectrum to, to duplicate the Palladium world because it would give you a little more leeway, I think. But that said, I haven't really explored, so maybe Pathfinder will give you what you need to do a summon or need to do the witch class or, you know, those classes in those games. But definitely... I mean, you have to go where the players are, because if there aren't any players, then you go back to what you were doing, which mirrors my journey. For years, I was, like back GURPS 4th edition, I bought those books and read through them and and all that, but I never played them, you know, because I didn't have a group I was playing with. So, you know, I definitely can, I, I, I definitely understand that journey of buying books, reading them, and not ever playing them. And, and it'd be nice to get some of the stuff at the table, so... I look forward to the games you offer online this coming year. I definitely think there's value in playing yeah, playing face-to-face if you can. So I hope you can get those face-to-face sessions in. But any things that you do online that I can fit in my schedule, I'm definitely interested in. And I'm looking forward to the possibility. You know, hopefully this traveler thing sorts out. So we'll talk to you later. And I'm going to dive in there. So thank you, Jason, for calling in. I really appreciated your thoughts. And yeah, I guess one aspect of what I was saying was... I was worried that I was wrong about just picking one game. I kind of feel like there's a lot I can learn from playing lots of different games. But of course, there's a tension because I also feel that playing lots of different games is A, hard work, and B, I'm sick and tired of doing the thing that Josh Beckelheimer is always sort of saying he does, which is jumping around from game to game. I do feel that it's really important for me to settle, but I could be wrong about my choice. And what worries me is that other players will be put off by my choices. And it is entirely intriguing to me that uh, my experimentation in GURPS has been increasingly met with warmth, although initially met with quite a lot of kind of question. I think those people who have come and tried it out have found it to be more positive than they expected. I guess that's the way I look at it. Anyway, what am I saying? What I was worried about is sort of drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is the game for me. I don't want to be that inflexible. And I think you're right that there are probably big decisions to make about, you know, each setting that you play in, how you're going to run that. And ultimately, I mean, a week on, I'm looking back on this and I'm feeling like, no, I really do like my choice of playing GURPS. I am pretty comfortable with that. I mean, there were basically three games I'm really comfortable with. One of those is GURPS. The other is Mithras, the D100 system by the design mechanism. 
which for fantasy gaming especially, I think is fantastic. And the third for science fiction gaming is Traveller. And what we're probably talking about here is either Mongoose Traveller or, you know, my current experimentations, Traveller 5. But I uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to go too far afield. And at the same time, having received at Christmas the age system, fantasy age and modern age, which I think looks kind of fun and interesting, I don't want to close that down. So I guess what I was trying to say is I could be wrong about being narrow-minded. Oh, well, I don't know. Anyway, the next call from Barney. This one really hit me in the feels and is difficult for me. So check this out. Hi, Shay. Barney here. You are really twisting the knife in yourself in these last few episodes, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm calling in in response to the last two. Um, you know, two episodes ago, you talked about wanting to be positive. Mm, and that really wasn't what came across to me. For example, you talked about tips to make sessions less bad. And now in your last episode, you're talking about being wrong, but wanting to be right. Now, this is just my five pence worth here, but less bad. Um, Why not brilliantly flawed? Why not rough diamonds? Why not just really good fun, amazing? Um, All of those kind of ways to describe a session. Exciting. Fascinating. Um, thought-provoking, I don't know. You could keep going, but things that, that have a positive ring to them as opposed to less bad. Being wrong, being right. Now, again, I think it's better if we just get rid of those those terms, wrong and right. Is it interesting? Did it have some oomph? Did it have some energy? Was it fun? It's not about being wrong and it's not about being right because everyone is going to have completely different views on things, aren't they? But did everyone, was everyone's mood lifted? Um, Does it make you want to go back and play again? And so on. All the best for the new year. See you. Bye. Hmm. So, Barney, thanks for calling in. Um, I honestly don't know how to respond to that. Yeah, I really don't. Um, Yeah, okay. I mean, some of what you're talking about there is semantics. And I've got to be honest, when it comes to the diary, I am not going to be self-editing and sitting here going, oh, did I choose the right word? Because that's not who I am. And unfortunately, like it or not, that's the way I do talk. But, and this is where, you know, such kind of, kind of actually at the heart of it, talking about being right and wrong, I firmly believe that I could well be wrong about what I believe in terms of my gaming. In fact, generally. One of the fundamental beliefs I have, um, and I think it's really important for you to understand, is that I don't think that wrong is a bad thing. 
um, as a teacher, I believe that actually being wrong is really important to learning. And so saying that I'm wrong about something for me isn't necessarily a bad thing. It is actually the recognition that as a human being, I am flawed and that, that I am kind of somebody who doesn't want to set myself up self-righteously to be right. I worry about the level of entitlement that is kind of in my expression and how I come across this sense that, you know, I'm right about things is kind of dangerous. I don't know if that makes sense, but I kind of hope it does. Fundamentally, you and I obviously have a very different kind of view and definition of the word wrong, at least how I was using it in episode 16. To go back to previous stuff, um, to be honest with you, the the use of kind of like less worse, um, less worse gaming, I stole that from the Angry GM's blog. It's one of those little phrases that I kind of mentally stole, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And I do find myself dropping into conversation. And it's meant to be kind of, I don't know, semi-jokey really, I guess. It's that, but it does express for me the the idea that my games are not good games. They're not perfect. They're not by any means, nothing is. And they're not necessarily even something I feel very confident about. But actually the the effort I'm expending on trying to become better, that is for me about being less worse than I was. Rather than being great, I'm looking to kind of get rid of those things. Now, I completely take your point, you know, flawed gems and such things. But to me, those aren't the kinds of words that I would easily use. And I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I take your point and I'll try and do that. Because I'm not sure I will actually i'm not sure that my thinking is sufficiently grounded in that positivity i want to be more positive as you rightly pick up but i've got to be honest with you i find positivity really really bloody hard um and i think that sometimes there's a false positivity that we try and put out there and i want to avoid that at least i certainly want to avoid that in doing these diaries now the truth is that every single time I sit down to do a diary, I sit here and think, why am I doing this? I don't want to put this out. I am terrified of the judgment of others. And yet, A, people tell me that they enjoy listening to it. And B, I find that it is very beneficial to me in terms of my mental health. At least to record it, you know, and then to listen back to it. Now, I've got to be honest, where your call-in hit me was in my initial reaction was to really react against that and just want to go, throw my hands up, you know, and kind of go, well, stuff it then, you know. But thankfully, you know, having had a few days to sit with it and also having, like, thought about it um, and had other feedback, I feel like I take your point, you know, and I and I just kind of wanted to really honestly respond to it. So... Barney, thanks for calling in. It was hard for me and a tough love thing from you, I guess. But I I appreciate the fact that you took the time to send me just under three minutes of your thoughts when actually you could have just gone frustrated with me and, um, you know, not bothered. To me, this is what this community is about, us caring about each other enough to tell each other when we're right, when we're wrong. (laughs) Sorry, I'm using those terms. Us caring enough about each other to tell each other what we really think. And for that, man, I have to say big thank you. Hey, Che, Spencer here. And I just wanted to say 
I really don't see what you've been so wrong about. What I see through your you know your dungeon master's diary is a progression and evolution of thoughts and ideas and um yeah i don't really fully grasp what you've been getting wrong just keep it coming man take care spencer thanks for calling in man and as i kind of alluded to earlier you're kind of with the the dice on this i think that you're probably a bit confused about what on earth i was on about and um actually i i mean to be fair to me, let's be honest, I did say I didn't think it was a very coherent um, bit of blurb. But, you know, I'd recorded it. And as established many, many months ago in dialogue with um, Darren Green, I, I agreed that I didn't want to censor what I had recorded. You know, I don't want to leave bits out. And I'm trying not to do that. Anyway, I guess I'm flanneling around. Um, yeah, I... I th- actually really think it's really valuable what you just said about seeing my journal and my podcast generally as a journey you know and that's exactly how I want it to be what I was worried about was that I had started to form very solid positions on stuff um, and that's entirely not what I want to be about you know I want us to be discovering better ways of of playing uh, more fun ways of playing Um, and I also want us to be finding the things that are effective um, and that deliver, you know, repeatedly deliver a good quality experience at the gaming table, and I was worried that, um, you know, somehow or other I was going to get this all wrong by basically thinking I was getting it right. But um, on reflection, I don't know, mountain out of a molehill, I don't know. but, hey, it was out there now, isn't it? And um, I can't really take it back. Spencer, thanks for calling in. And also, once again, thanks to Barney and thanks to Jason and thanks to all the other people who commented on that episode. And, um, yeah, I'll just try to be a bit more positive, shall I? <laughs> Let's get into the diary. Let's see what's been happening into Christmas and New Year. Game on. Sunday morning, the morning after playing Dungeons of Thal. Um, so a really good session from my perspective, a positive session. I don't think I felt terribly confident during it, but looking back on it, um, it seemed you know, to go quite well. Uh, five players turned up, one had to drop out early, um, which is a little unfortunate, but that's due to personal circumstances, so completely fine. Um, and so the four guys kind of delved deeper than anyone's delved before. I came away with quite a lot of treasure as well. Um, I guess the key highlights are um, them exploring and kind of mapping the dungeon. I think um, Jason Hobbs is quite enjoying mapping it out and putting together an actually fairly accurate map of the first zone of the dungeon. And um, I think also they were wanting really to try and understand how it all sort of fits together, which is kind of interesting to see. Um, there are very various theories about for example, the uh, big lever near the shooting, shooting, uh, swooshing scythe. Try saying that when you're drunk. Um, and 
yeah, that was kind of fun to watch. Um, there were only two combat encounters, and one of those was a random encounter, so that's kind of a cool thing. Um, uh, the main encounter, combat encounter, was one they could have avoided very happily, but decided to engage. So there's a large alligator uh, in a in the deeper area of the pool water, and that led to a really, really interesting fight um, with two of the characters in the water in, in about two yards deep of water, so two meters for the Europeans, almost two meters of depth of water. The six foot four character, obviously fine, just about sort of shoulders in the water. Um, trying to fight with a sword and the um, five foot four um, fighter with a spear trying to tread water um, which led to the introduction of the your combat ability is now capped by your swimming ability and it turns out another had swimming skill so that's kind of cool um, within a setting that has is kind of essentially a blasted magical desert um, lots of water I think came as a bit of a surprise um, so that was interesting. But there was some cunning stuff as well. They they discovered how to stop the influx of water and how also how to deal with one particular room. Um, they kind of came up with an innovative solution, really, which is kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the play. So that was good. Um, I think it is all... I mean, I've thankfully, I am slightly ahead of where I need to be in terms of prepping the dungeon but I think I need to really step that up over the next week. I've got a week off and I just need to really, you know, map out more of the dungeon. Um, and as much as I can really kind of get uh, some of it done digitally because uh, we do enjoy, we seem to enjoy anyway, using the digital maps in Fancy Grounds, then being able to literally move through the corridors um, and explore it physically that way is, is quite engaging, I think. It certainly is something I enjoy. It's obviously a sensory pleasure thing um i quite like the the maps and things but um it seems like the guys engage with that quite well it's quite a nice way of keeping players engaged i think never entirely sure when it's vocal only so but there you go right so hmm, what to say um i will main thing i will say is that i was very energized by play again i've discovered that the act of playing is the thing that kind of drives me to want to do more play um as a principle, I'm starting to uncover, I think, that when I take action, um, that, that drives inspiration. So it's easy to, to imagine that you're going to be inspired, and when you're inspired, then you can go and design something or go and run something or, or whatever. But actually, what I'm finding is that, yes, sometimes inspiration drives action, but actually, more often, I'm finding action drives inspiration. So what I mean is, by sitting down yesterday to prep, for example... I was, wasn't very keen. I was thinking, oh, you know, um, it's going to be, you know, what do I really want to do this is kind of what was going through my mind. But as soon as I sat down to do it and I started to do it, um, and I started to input some information and sort of gather some bits and pieces that I wanted to add to the dungeon together and that sort of stuff. As soon as I did that, I started to make some die rolls to see if areas were restocking and all that kind of thing. They engaged me and actually engaged me for a considerable period of time and carried that through into the game session. And then when I was gaming, when I was actually in position and, and running the game, um, again, I was a little bit reticent at first, but once I was there with the guys, yeah, I was enjoying it. And it kind of drove my inspiration, drove my engagement. And uh, so on the other side of it, I'm feeling quite energized and keen to keep going. And I think, I think what I really need to do is just develop the habit of adding to my dungeon. I remember a while ago, Peter Del Orto, um, who is a you know, big GURPS um, 
Dungeon Fantasy player, but also a writer for GURPS, Dungeon Fantasy, and, and other things. Peter Lotto runs a mega dungeon, and uh, he blogs about it. And one of the things he said well, earlier days was that he just made the choice of adding some rooms to his dungeon every, map every day. So the idea was he'd just grab his bit of paper and he would add some more rooms to it uh, every day, just a little bit, maybe it was one room, but it would just add a little bit every day, and it kind of built up over time. And I think... That's what I need to do. I need to have the paper out and whenever I have a spare moment at home or a bit of energy in the evening, just sit down and and add a bit more to the dungeon. And I think I'll enjoy that. The second thing I suppose I wanted to mention is that I was starting to wonder whether the dungeon game had legs and whether uh, it would be engaging longer term. And I don't know, but I suspect that it's more engaging than I think it is. Um, It's certainly engaging in the moment of play. So... I think I'm just going to trust it. I'm just going to add to it, see how this goes. Um, You know, we're going to, I mean, it looks like I'm going to do some one-off games of other things, Traveller being probably first on the list. We're already talking about organising a game of that. But actually, I think those will be interludes into my regular Dungeons of Thrall, uh, sorry, Dungeons of Thrall game. keep mispronouncing that. Um, And um, I think that's fine. I just think that's absolutely fine. If the guys are enjoying the dungeon, we'll go down the dungeon, you know. Not a problem. So, hmm, thoughts. It was a good game, and I enjoyed it, and I'm really hoping the guys will come back and play some more. Game on. Oh, quick side note on GURPS. I um, realised that Jason Connolly has been making comments recently about how GURPS has a high, what he calls, whiff factor, which is where you go to hit and you miss or you apparently hit. In GURPS terms, what he gets frustrated by, I think, is that he he's, his t- attack is on target, and then the creature dodgers and last night we saw this certainly where i uh i made an uncanny number of nine or less dodges with spiders and various creatures um with a 37 and a half percent chance of a nine or less on uh 3d6 believe me i made an uncanny number of of dodges but i realized that this is not a bug with gerbs um applying again this principle that if there's something wrong with a game or something that a player is not enjoying that's my responsibility and then think about it. Reality is that, especially with spiders, I've got these um, huge spiders um, or big spiders that are attacking. And actually, when they hit, they are not that strong a wound, if you like. The chance of getting through the um, good guy's armor is quite low. And I realized that what I should be doing is making all-out attacks. There's an all-out attack option, which allows you to make a strong attack. You get plus 2T damage roll, which for these creatures would make it actually possible for them more of the time to actually cause injury rather than just kind of you know mandibles bouncing off the leather armor and the reality is that it's just bad gming for me not doing all our attacks because the side effect of making all our attacks is they don't get to defend and of course this would have made the battles quicker i think because the heroes would have got their, their strikes on target and killed the creatures quite quickly but also, that furious assault from a creature that's defending its home, to me, makes sense in a role-playing sense. And I think why I haven't been doing that is because I've kind of trained myself and used to just going with a default roll to hit. So if I play Dungeons & Dragons, for example, you just pretty much make a roll to hit. There isn't um, much in the way of a all-out attack or there's no difference in making a feint or you know there isn't any of this tactical option. And so it's easy to forget. I've not played this game for very long and 
it's easy to forget there are many, many more tactical options that you can make, both as a player, but yes, as a GM too. So um, what I need to do is have my creatures be more ferocious, I guess, um, go more for it more. And I saw this again last night with the alligator attack where, you know, I kind of had it get a bit of injury and back off. Um, and then in hindsight, I, I kind of, I think I was doing that really to be kind of friendly to the players, give them the option of getting out of the water because, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, this thing's going to kill them. Um, and uh, and yet, you know, the guys actually, they commented as they were going, why is the alligator going away? Oh, and it's coming back now. What? Well, that's weird. Um, and actually, again, it's just bad GMing. You know, it's me being... Um, a wuss of a GM as well if they've put themselves in the situation if they've got in the water and there's an alligator uh, it's kind of their problem right and I should play that to the hilt and I think yeah um, I don't think it's good GMing to be nice to the players I don't think it's a good GMing to be mean to the players don't get me wrong or to be tricksy or a git but I do think it's good GMing to have them face the consequences of what they're doing and if they have got incomplete information it's kind of on them so I think um yeah, uh, Jason, I think if uh, you're whiffing too much, that's probably my fault, dude. I don't think that's a fault necessarily with the game of GURPS. Just a thought. You know, I find it interesting how emotion works. This morning, I um, I kind of looked forward to next week. I thought um, what I would do is I would deliberately expose myself to the usual stressor, the schedule, thinking into next week and all the things I've got to do when I go back to school. And then from that, kind of try and notice the effect on my body because I'm trying to become more aware of when I'm stressed so I can kind of counteract it. In that moment of feeling stressed, I also started to notice that there are a number of other stresses that suddenly had come to mind. So like as if by looking at one thing that stresses me, work, I suddenly attract all of the other things into my consciousness. And I guess that's the way the brain works by association. And this, in this case, the association being stress. And the stress that was kind of running through my mind um, was about my fear of losing other people. So having confessed to feeling kind of wrong about things recently and having shared my thoughts and my, and my desire to go explore gaming in a slightly different way, I now fear that I lose people. And, um, yeah, I think that... Um, this is what I do, isn't it? I drive people away. I drive them away from me um, because I am not necessarily, um, I don't know, what's the word? I just feel like I'm not fitting in. So I tend to like push people away. Um, I don't intend to, but that's what happens. I guess I freak people out. Um, people decide that, oh no, what he's talking about is not what I'm into. And um, that's my fear. That's that's the thing that stresses me, that I feel like I, I'm suddenly, I'm making myself the outsider because I've been an outsider or felt like an outsider. Yes, it's not that I've been one. I've felt like an outsider most of my life. Whether I am or not is uh, hard for me to say. And... Part of that is I've learned that I, if I leave the safe confines of home and go journeying and go traveling, um, and I don't mean this in a literal sense, I mean this in a sort of metaphorical sense, um, if I do that, I experience all sorts of wonderful new things and I enrich my own understanding 
Um, unfortunately, what I also do is freak everybody out who's comfortable. Um, and um, there is nothing wrong with being comfortable. It's, it's a me that's kind of odd. Um, anyway, that was my fear. That was what kind of popped into my mind. When I started to think about stress. And this is a big stressor in my hobby that I uh, drive people away. And, and I think that, again, is why I end up alone so often in gaming. And, you know, the simple thing for me to do is to play solo, ignore everybody else and do my own thing. But I also know that that's foolish and uh, too simplistic and not a healthy thing to do. But, you know, I do anyway, I just wanted to share this thought about stress. And, um, yeah, there you go. You know what, it's New Year's Eve and my wife's at work and I've got some time alone and I need some time alone and I'm I'm just going to have some me time. I feel like, uh, yeah, I just feel like I've got to switch off um, and so I'm going to just do that. I'm going to do something I enjoy and I'll see you again, well, sometime in the new year. Game on. I feel I needed to record this. Um, something's just arrived that just made me so excited. I can't even begin to express it. Opening the box was like, whoa! Um, I've just received uh, the Traveller 5 box set, um, which by some miracle, I don't know how, um, Orcs Nest in London has some copies of. And I think it was, uh, some, I think it was Dave Aldridge sharing or liking somebody else's comment on Twitter about having got this box set from Orcs Nest uh, essentially alerted me to it. You know, once again, the social media bringing the things I need to know to me. And so I just, on an impulse, I completely impulse, I bought this. And um, it's just arrived and I just feel so excited and uh, I'm going to pull the shrink wrap. Um, I just am so excited to have this and this is absolutely what I want to spend my couple of days off doing. I suddenly realised with shock and everything else how incredibly, incredibly excitable I am when it comes to this. And and it's crazy because I know uh, there's an objective part of me that knows that this is one of the most crunchy, complicated games imaginable. Uh, and yet, you know, it's absolutely what I would like to uh, dig into. Three books. Um... Characters in Combat, Starships, and Worlds and Adventures. Core book three, but instead of it being like Classic Traveller, I mean, it looks like Classic Traveller, apart from Traveller 5 logo. Black book, Traveller logo in red, red line, you know. But they're not A5 little pocket books. They are um, full-size um, hardback books um, with two-column text. Largely black and white, it has to be said, though. I think there are like spots of colour in here um, and uh, having kind of printed off the other day and started to read through the PDFs I know that I uh, I know that um, this is for me the I'm pretty sure that Mark Miller must have been an engineer or something it's the game written by an engineer it's so precise in many ways but well I'm just going to uh, I'm going to crack it open I'm going to get some dice I've got my travel dice and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to have a go, aren't I? Game on. <laughs> 